0: listening to the mystical city of god in a year podcast i'm father edward looney and throughout the year i'm reading and reflecting on the four volume over 2500 page work by the venerable maria if you would like to share your own thoughts and reflections about today's readings you can do so by visiting the mystical city of god in a year facebook group and you can share your thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches us how to pray and meditate, Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 274, and we are beginning volume 3 of the mystical city of God, entitled, The Coronation, the heavenly life of the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary, containing the events of her life, from the coming of the Holy Ghost until the Assumption and Coronation of the Virgin Mother of God in Heaven. Today we are reading from Volume 4, The Introduction, Paragraphs 1-9. through Introduction To the third part of this divine history, which embraces the latter part, of the Most Holy Life of Mary, The mother of God. 1. In navigating a deep and dangerous sea, the navigator is so much the more dangerously beset with its errors and the attacks of pirates. The farther he has penetrated into its wide expanses, his cares are vastly increased on the account of his weakness and want of certainty, for he does not know when or whence danger may come, and he is powerless to avert its coming and unable to resist it when at hand. This is just what is now happening to me, since I am engulfed in the immense ocean of the excellence and magnificence of the works of Most Holy Mary. And yet it is a sea, full of repose and tranquility, as I know and confess. Nor can the fact that I have advanced so far upon this sea of grace, and that I have finished the first and second part of her life, give me assurance. For in this work I have, as in a most clear mirror, Only so much the more clearly perceive my own incapability and vileness, and the deepest conviction forces itself upon me, that her history is most impenetrable and incomprehensible to all created understanding. Nor are the enemies, the princes of darkness, ever at rest, for like the most persistent pirates, they continue to afflict and discourage me by false illusions and temptations, with a malice and astuteness beyond all calculation." The Navigator has no other recourse than to fix his sight upon the North Star, according to which, as is the Star of the Sea, he must guide and direct his course amid the waves. I am trying to do the same in the midst of these multitudinous and tormenting temptations and fears, guided by my Star, the Most Holy Mary, in whom through obedience I can ascertain and fix my will upon the will of the Eternal, and being many times afflicted, full of unquietness and fear. I cry out from the bottom of my heart and say, My Lord and Most High God, what shall I do in my doubts? Shall I proceed, or shall I desist in writing this history? Do thou, O Mother of Grace and my Instructress, make known to me thy will and that of thy divine Son? 2. I must confess truly, and as due to the divine condescension, that God has always answered my clamors, and has never denied me his paternal kindness in making known his will in many ways. Although this is sufficiently evident in the assistance rendered to me in the writing of the first and second parts, yet besides this proof there are innumerable other assurances given me by the Lord himself, by his most holy mother, and his angels, so that evidences have been heaped upon evidences and testimonies upon testimonies to counteract my cowardice and fear. What is more, the angels themselves in visible shapes, being the prelates and ministers of the Lord and his holy church, Have pointed out and reiterated the divine commandment, bidding me to believe and execute this commission, and to continue to the end. Nor was there wanting to me the light of infused science, which sweetly and forcefully called, enlightened, and moved my heart to the knowledge of the highest perfection, the most immaculate holiness, the most perfect virtue, and the most desirable of what can be sought by the will. It has at the same time referred me to all this as enclosed and reserved like a hidden manna in the Ark of the Covenant, Most Holy Mary, open for all that wish to approach and taste thereof. 3. Nevertheless, on entering upon the writing of this third part, I was beset by new and harassing contradictions, not less formidable than those experienced in the first two portions of this history. I can say without fear that I have not composed a sentence or a word, nor have I brought myself to write at least part of it, without experiencing more temptations than the letters of the alphabet of which it is composed. Although the hindrances caused by my own fear would have been sufficient, since I know who I am and cannot help being cowardly, nor ever can put less confidence in myself than what my own weakness will warrant, yet neither this nor the magnitude of the undertaking were the real impediments. Though these were at first unsuspected, I presented to the Lord the second part which I had written, in the same way as I had presented the first. Under strict obedience I was compelled to begin this third part, and by the strength which this virtue gives to all that practice it, I allayed the fear and faintness of my heart in executing what had been assigned to me. But fluctuating between my desire and fear of commencing, I was cast about like a vessel, combated by violent and contrary winds. 4. On the one hand, the Lord bade me, Proceed in what I have begun, as such was his will, nor in my continual prayers did I ever feel impelled to a different course. It is true. For some time I paid no attention to these directions of the Most High, and did not manifest them immediately to my superior and to my confessor, not because I wished to conceal them, but in order to act more securely, and in order that they might not suspect, I followed only my own insight. But the Lord, who is so even and equable in his works, inspired them with a new energy, pressing their continual exhortations and commands. Yet, on the other hand, the envy and malice of the ancient serpent maligned all that I did, or was moved to undertake. He raised up against me tormenting and alluring temptations, by which he sometimes sought to inspire me with his own boundless pride. At others, and very often, he sought to cast me down to deepest dejection, and involved me in darkest and most disorderly fears, increasing his efforts as— This history progressed, and especially as it was coming to a close. This enemy also availed himself of the judgment of some persons, who justly could claim my respect and who would not further this work. He caused also disturbances among the religious under my charge. It seemed to me that I had no time to spare and was obliged to attend to the welfare of the community, as the most important duty of a superioress. With all these molestations I came to know such interior peace, as is necessary for and befitting the actual enlightenment and intelligence concerning the mysteries to be treated of. For this light cannot be perceived, nor is it properly communicated amid the spiritual storms of temptation, but will shine only in the peace and serenity of the soul's faculties. 5. Afflicted and harassed by such a variety of temptations, I ceased, not in my clamors, On one day in particular, I spoke to the Lord, Highest Lord and good of my soul, to thy wisdom are not concealed my sighs and my desires to please thee and to avoid errors in thy service. Psalm thirty seven ten, Lovingly I lament in thy royal presence, for either thou commandest me, O Lord, what I cannot fulfil, or thou permittest thy and my enemies to hinder by their malice what thou commandest. The Lord answered my complaint, and with some severity said, Remember, soul, that thou canst not continue what thou hast begun, nor wilt thou finish the writings of my mother's life, if thou wilt not become altogether perfect and pleasing in my eyes. For I wish that thou gather within thee the copious fruits of this benefit, and that thou, among the first, profit by it in greatest abundance. In order that thou mayest share its fruits as I wish, it is necessary that all of which is earthly in thee, and savoring of a daughter of Adam be consumed." Thou must be free from the effects of sin with all its evil inclinations and habits. This answer of the Lord excited in me new solicitudes, and the most burning desire of performing all that is implied, namely, not only a common mortification of all the inclinations and passions, but an absolute death of the animal and terrestrial life, and its renovation and transformation into a celestial and angelic state of existence. 6. Desiring to apply my powers to what was proposed to me, I examined my inclinations and appetites. I searched the by-streets and corners of my interior, and felt a most ardent wish to die to all that is visible and earthly. For some days I suffered in these exercises great affliction and melancholy, for in proportion to my anxiety increased also the dangers and occasions of being diverted by attention to creatures. The more I sought to withdraw myself from all surroundings, so much the more did I find myself bound and oppressed by what I abhorred. Of all this, the enemy availed himself for my discouragement, representing such a life as altogether impossible to me. To this affliction, and suddenly added another new strange disorder, I felt in my body a condition so sensitive that the least exertion, even the most insignificant mortification, became more intolerable to me than until the most severe penances. Those that I was accustomed to undergo most unwillingly required now the most violent exertion, and I found myself become so delicate that they seemed to inflict upon me mortal wounds. To undergo discipline was an excruciating pain, causing swoons, and each stroke cut through my very heart. Without exaggeration, I say that merely to touch one hand with the order forced out my tears, so that I felt great confusion and grief at being so miserable." In forcing myself to labor in spite of this infirmity, I found my blood oozing from my fingernails. 7. I could not account for this new experience, and in considering it, I impatiently exclaimed, Ah, me! What misery is this? What change do I feel within me? The Lord commands me to mortify myself and die to all creatures, and I feel myself much more alive to pain and much less mortified. For some days I suffered in great bitterness and impatience of my soul. In order to moderate my disturbance, the Most High consoled me, saying, My daughter and spouse, let not thy heart be afflicted at the vividness of thy sufferings. I have sought by this means to distinguish in thee the effects of sin, to restore thee to a new life, and prepare thee for works more exalted and pleasing to me. Until thou shalt have attained this state, thou canst not begin to write what remains of the life of my mother and thy mistress. This answer of the Lord somewhat encouraged me, for his words are words of life, vivifying the heart. John six sixty nine. Although my troubles and temptations were not abated, I prepared myself for labor and battle. Yet I continued to distrust my weakness and inability, and despaired of finding a remedy. I sought it in the mother of life, and I resolved to ask for help in sincerity and constancy, for she is the only and most certain refuge of the needy and afflicted, and she has continually heaped her many favors upon me the most useless creature of the world. 8. I prostrated myself at the feet of this great lady of heaven and earth, and pouring out my spirit in her presence, I besought her mercifully to remedy my imperfections and defects. I represented to her my desire of pleasing her and her divine son, and again offered myself for her service, even if I should have to pass through fire and torments and shed my blood. The kind mother answered my supplications by saying, My daughter... Understand well that these desires which the Most High again excites in thy heart are pledges and effects of his love, by which he calls thee to his intimate intercourse and familiarity. It is his most holy will and mine that thou on thy part correspond to them, in order that thou mayest not hinder thy vocation, or retard any longer the pleasure of his majesty and what he requires of thee. During all the writing of my life I exhorted and reminded thee of thy obligations, connected with this blessing, namely that thou imprint in thyself the living image of its teachings, and of my example according to the graces thou receivest. Thou hast now arrived at the third and last part of this history, and it is time thou raise thyself to a perfect imitation of me, clothing thyself with new strength and extending thy hand to strong doings. Proverbs 31.17. By such a life and behavior thou wilt be able to begin what still remains to be written, for it must be written in such a way that thou put in practice the lessons it inculcates. Without such a disposition thou wilt not be able to write it, since it is the will of the Lord that my history shall be written more in thy heart than on paper, and that thou feel what thou writest, in order that thou mayest write what thou feelest. 9. Therefore I desire that thy interior be cleared from all earthly images and inclinations, so that having put away and forgotten all visible things, thou mayest center all thy conversation and intercourse upon thy Lord, upon me, and upon his angels, and let all other things be strange and foreign to thee. In the strength of this virtue and purity which I require of thee, thou shalt crush the head of the ancient serpent and conquer his opposition to thy writing and laboring, Because thou art so tardy in responding to the wishes of the Lord, in entering upon the path he wishes thee to pursue, and in placing full confidence in his blessed intentions, I tell thee truly, while attending to these empty fears, thou art so tardy in responding to the Lord, in entering upon the path he wishes thee to pursue, and in placing full confidence in his blessed intentions, that precisely on this account, divine providence has permitted the dragon to be the minister of his justice, in punishing thy unbelief, and thy want of submission to his will. That same enemy has concocted schemes to draw thee into some faults by setting before thee his deceits in the garb of a good intention and of virtuous ends, and by seeking falsely to persuade thee that thou art not destined for such high favors and exalted blessings, and in order that thou mayest not merit them, he has made thee dull and tardy in in rendering thanks for them. Thou hast been taken in by the deceit of deeming these works of the Most High due to the injustice, and not as works of grace, and so thou hast neglected to cooperate to the fullest extent with the divine graces, and hast not corresponded to those that thou receivest without any merit of thy own. It is time, my dearest, that thou be assured, and that thou believe the Lord and me, for I teach thee the highest perfection, namely the imitation of me." Thus shall be conquered the pride and cruelty of the demon, and his head crushed by divine power. There is no reason why thou shouldst impede its effects. But forgetting all things, consign thyself lovingly into the hands of my divine Son and mine. For we desire of thee what is most holy, most praiseworthy, and pleasing in our eyes and estimation. This concludes our reading today for day number 274. We've been reading from volume 4, The Introduction. Paragraphs 1 through 9. Three things I just want to bring out. The first is, this is volume 4, but we heard in the beginning of the introduction to the third part of this divine history. So the first part was the early life of Mary, her immaculate conception, her life with Joachim and Anne, the presentation of the temple. And so then, the second part of this life is that of Mary's relationship to Christ. And so that was volume two and volume three. And this now is the third part, which is volume four. The second thing, whenever you do something for God, expect there to be discouragement, expect there to be temptation, expect there to be something that impacts you, that might make you want to give up, that might make you not want to write. I know for myself that as a writer, as a person who's written books, and I have many other projects that I do, that sometimes I become discouraged and sometimes I want to give up. I think the greatest example of this for me was a Lenten journey with Mother Mary. I was at a point where I just wanted to stop. I didn't want to finish the book. I wrote the publisher. I said, I'll return the advance. I don't want to do this. And then the next few days go by. I'm thinking about it. And I think to myself, I can do this. And so I wrote them back and I said, I hope it's okay. I take it back. I want to write. And A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary has been one of my most widely read books. It has touched and impacted hearts, innumerable. I receive so many letters and everything like that, emails, whatever. So it's been a powerful book, but the evil one discouraged me. The evil one wanted me to be conquered by his temptation. Much like Maria of Agurda writes, in the strength of this virtue and purity, which I require thee, thou shalt crush the head of the ancient serpent and conquer his opposition to thy writings and laborings. What Maria of Agurda experienced, I know well in my time as a writer. And the third thing, as we begin this fourth volume today, what are you hoping that you will discover in this reading over the next quarter, over the next three months? What do you hope Maria of Agreda addresses? For me, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing the early church form and then maybe having Mary write about the celebration of the mass, having Mary write about her holy communion that she receives. I'm also interested too, because there's always so much talk about whether Mary, you know, how long she stayed in Ephesus, did she die in Ephesus? There's one tradition that says she did. There's another tradition that says she died in Jerusalem. I tend to Air on the side of Jerusalem. I think that one is the stronger tradition, but there are certain things that I'm just anticipating. And then maybe even the transition of Mary from this life. There are three different positions about the assumption, the immortalist, the Dormitionist, and the assumptionist. So did Mary go up, according to Maria of Agreda, on a mountain and then was zapped up into heaven? Was she in the bed? And then all of the disciples came around her and she transitioned from this life, maybe falling asleep, not necessarily dying, or did she die? So these are the things I'm looking forward to. And maybe if you're a part of the Facebook group, why don't you share what you're looking forward to in volume four? I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.